Welcome to Life Smithing. My name is Cynthia Burley. Today we're going to talk about the melancholic's path to holiness. Do you know if you're a melancholic? If you don't, if you go to the show notes, there is a test that you can take. It's just one out of many tests, but it'll give you an idea. But let me give you some hints so you know if you're melancholic or not. If you're someone who loves to be solitary and to just sit there and read books and think about deep, beautiful thoughts, you're probably a melancholic. If you're someone who, when you sin, you fall into despair, you feel that God will not forgive you because you just sinned too many times, you want to give up, you're probably a melancholic. If you don't get overly excited about things, It takes you a long time to really get excited about something. You don't get overly angry most of the time. You don't get overly happy. You might be a melancholic. If you're someone who loves the interior life, you love to pray, you can spend two hours in adoration and not feel anxious, you probably are a melancholic. If you're stubborn and you think that you're right about everything, and if you have a specific orderly way that you want things done, and if you get very upset if people do it a different way, you're probably a melancholic. If you're given to sad moods, You're always sad. You love to listen to dark music, watch dark movies. You're probably a melancholic. If you have very little faith in people, including confessors, superiors, you're just kind of cynical. You're probably a melancholic. If you get extremely angry at injustice, you, th- you really believe in following laws, you want to correct things that do not follow laws, you're an advocate for justice, you might be a melancholic. So what is your path to holiness? Today we'll be looking at the Melancholics Path to Holiness, according to the book, The Four Temperaments by Reverend Conrad Hawk. It's a very good book. I highly recommend it. There is a link on the show notes where you can get it. So how does the melancholic attain holiness? And the book lists six ways and I'll just go over them. Number one, The melancholic must cultivate great confidence in God and love for suffering for his spiritual and temporal welfare depend on these two virtues, confidence in God and love for suffering. 
Now I said before, the melancholic tends to not believe that he is forgiven. He tends to fall into despair when he sins. I know a melancholic who sometimes says, you know, I know that I can go to confession, but I commit this sin over and over and over and over. Surely God is not going to forgive me. Surely God will see this as a sin of presumption. And even though others tell him, God will forgive you if you really mean it, if you really repent, he still has a very hard time believing that. So this is why the melancholic must cultivate great confidence in God because you don't want to fall into the sin of despair, the unforgivable sin. So if you really try to have confidence in God, you know, look at your life. Look at the times that God has come through for you. Look at the answered prayers. Read the Bible. Read the church fathers. Read the saints and grow in confidence. And the melancholic also must have love of the crucified. The melancholic does not like to suffer, which is kind of interesting because he's prone to dark thoughts, but he doesn't really want to suffer. When he suffers, he feels really, really bad. You know, some people are able to take suffering in stride. They have an optimistic mindset. But the melancholic, when he suffers, he just really feels bad about himself. I hate my life. That's basically a melancholic, right? Really suffer and and wonder, why am I going through this? So the melancholic needs to embrace the cross. Embrace the cross and embrace suffering. Embrace Christ crucified. And I'm going to link to some resources that might help the melancholic to embrace the cross. I believe that my second temperament is melancholic. Now, I I do tend to be optimistic. I think my choleric balance is my melancholic. I'm probably more choleric and maybe uh, maybe 15% melancholic. But... I don't particularly like suffering, although I know I should. So because of that, you guys might notice I'm constantly posting about suffering. I'm really preaching to myself. I'm constantly posting about suffering and reading books about suffering because I want to learn to embrace the cross. And that's what a melancholic has to do. Number two, and I'm quoting from the book. He should always, especially during attacks of melancholy, say to himself, it is not so bad as I imagine. I see things too darkly or I am a pessimist, end quote. So this is why it's important to know yourself. Know who you are. Know that you are prone to melancholy. Know that things are probably not that bad. You know, in this period that we live in right now, when you look at politics, it's easy to fall into despair. Easy. It's easy to feel that the world is going to end. Why? That's what you're being told on TV. That's what you're being told on websites. That the world is going to end. If the Democrats win, the world is going to end. If the Republicans win, the world is going to end. And so you can easily find yourself into this 
pessimistic view of life and the future. So it's good to tell yourself because remember what you tell yourself affects your mind, affects your brain, right? So tell yourself, you know, things are probably not that bad. I know, I know. I tend to see things in a pessimistic way. It's important to tell yourself this so that you don't find yourself being dragged into despair. Understand? Number three, quote, he must from the very beginning resist every feeling of aversion, diffidence, discouragement, or despondency so that these evil impressions can take no root in the soul, end quote. So this is going back to those feelings that you have of pessimism and discouragement, etc. But you have to resist them. In other words, I'll give you an example. Here's what I do sometimes. <laughs> this is kind of funny because my husband has seen me uh, do this before. Uh, sometimes when I'm very upset about something, I go put on like really dark music. You know, really sad music and I blast it. <laughs> And he kind of knows I'm upset when I do that. I don't do that often because I, I don't get that upset often. Um, and what does that do? In some ways, it makes me feel better. For me, it makes me feel better. But it's not the case of most people. Most people, when they go and listen to like dark music when they're upset, they fall deeper. They fall deeper into despair, discouragement. They want to give up. They don't want to persevere. That's what happens to most people. So the key is not to delve on that. The key is not to concentrate and focus on that. The key is to resist that inclination to focus on your problems so that, as the book says, no evil impressions can take root in the soul. Number four. He must keep himself continually occupied so that he finds no time for brooding. Persevering work will master all. So this works in two ways, right? The first thing is if you're busy, you're not going to have time to be sitting there brooding over your problems, right? You don't want to do that. The devil takes, the devil has a foothold. When your mind is idle. That's a quote. I don't remember what the quote is off the top of my head. Oh, an idle mind is the devil's foothold, I think it is. And it is. Because if your mind if you're not busy, then you just you have nothing to think about except for what's going on in your life. And if you have a pessimistic mindset, you're gonna be thinking about the bad things, right? So you keep yourself busy with work, activity, you know, think of things to do, paint you know, paint a part of your house or build something or cook something, do something so that you're busy, right? But at the same time, the very fact that you're persevering will help you because the melancholic tends to want to give up. So persevering will help. We'll be right back.
we said before in the episode on cholerics that all temperaments have a good and bad side, right? There's no temperament that's bad and no temperament that's good. They all have good and bad sides. This is why we have to cultivate the good sides of our temperament, right? So one of the good sides of the melancholic temperament is the inclination to an interior life. As I said earlier, oh, what a blessing that is. What a blessing that is because you want to become a saint? Focus on your interior life. And because this is easy for a melancholic or easier than some of the other temperaments, wow, that's good. Because it's easy for you, you are bound to cultivate that good side. Now, the book also says that melancholics tend to have sympathy for suffering fellow men. Melancholics don't like to suffer, right? And they don't like to see other people suffer. So they tend to have sympathy for that. You, as a melancholic, are bound, meaning you must, in order to help you on your path to holiness, focus on your interior life and focus on helping others. It's sort of easy for you to help others, right? And so if you focus on that, on your interior life and helping others, that will help you in your struggle against your own weaknesses, which is your tendency to focus inwardly on your problems, right? In which case you become discouraged. Focus on also helping other people. Focus on spending time before the Blessed Sacrament where you're focusing on God and not on you. Sounds good? Okay, so the final point in this, this is something that can help you in your path to holiness is, man, you just have to stop getting discouraged and annoyed at the faults of others or you have to stop wanting your own way and wanting things done a certain way. You know those people who... If you put a glass on a table the wrong way, they have to come and fix it. They don't fix it, they get annoyed. Now that's OCD. And OCD really is very linked to the melancholic temperament, right? They call it OCD, but it's actually an aspect of the melancholic temperament. So the book says, St. Teresa devotes an entire chapter to the treatment of malicious melancholics. So Reverend Conrad Hawk calls it malicious melancholic. And I'll tell you why later. She writes, upon close observation, you will notice that melancholic persons are especially inclined to have their own way. To say everything that comes into their mind. To watch for the faults of others in order to hide their own and to find peace in that which is according to their own liking, end quote. So I said earlier that melancholics don't seem to get that excited about things. They don't get excited, for example, about new ventures or events, stuff like that. But what they do get excited about 
is when they do not feel that things are being done the correct way. So they get excited about the faults of others. In other words, they get angry and they like to point out the faults of others. That's a melancholic trait. I'm sure some of you in the church know people who are like this. I'm sure some of you online on Facebook know people or even on Twitter know people who are like this. You post something positive and they look for the fault. That's a melancholic trait. And you can get into bad humor and discouragement because of things that are so small, tiny, tiny things. Maybe in the liturgy, you make the wrong gesture or you didn't do it as carefully as you should. I'm not talking about liturgical abuse here, but we're talking about little tiny things you get upset about. Or maybe someone posted something and there might be a little small little mistake on there. So you dismiss the whole thing. Melancholics are prone to judging others and to criticizing others. And as the book says, it's because of you want to hide your own faults. It's said that usually when there's a fault about someone that really bothers you, it's because you have that same fault. You don't want to admit it to yourself, but you have that same fault. If you want to advance in your path to holiness, you have to learn to disregard these insignificant things. Not everything is worth you investing your emotions, your disgust. You don't have to change everything. Sometimes just not responding or maybe you you go somewhere and something is not as it should be. Don't say anything. Don't feel inclined to, to do something. You go to your friend's house and it's not as clean and as spotless as you want, don't start cleaning up their house. (laughs) I know people who do that. Don't focus on these little minor things and try not to be as judgmental. Now, we're not talking about admonishing a sinner. I know somebody's going to say, you're supposed to admonish a sinner. I know. We're not talking about that. We're talking about minor things that really make no difference in the grand scheme of things. If the melancholic is able to follow this advice that's in the book, and you're able to learn to suffer, you're well on your way, on your path to holiness. God bless. Saint Ignatius of Loyola says, he who goes about to reform the world must begin with himself, or he loses his labor. Until we decide to reform ourselves, we cannot hope to have any influence on our families, our culture, our politics, our world.